Welcome to the Readerly Report, a podcast of Readerly Magazine. Your hosts are Gail Weisswasser and Nicole Bonilla. We hope you will enjoy our candid book conversations, recommendations, and observations on the reading life. Thanks so much for joining us. So welcome back to the Readerly Podcast. Uh, Nicole and I are here as we start to wind down our reading year. Um, and we wanted to use this episode to talk a little bit about uh, what we're reading, what we'd like to accomplish by the end of the year, a little bit of a look back uh, at 2017 as far as our reading aspirations and how we did, and just a little check-in on what's happening in our lives and how that is affecting our reading. <laughs> so why don't you get started with... Uh, Fill our listeners in on what's happening with you and then also what you just told me about your reading accomplishments this year. Okay, so I have read 126 books this year. My goal, I think once I hit, and I hit, I probably hit 124 books at the end of September. And I was thinking my goal was going to be, I was going to squeeze in another 25 to 30 books, and that would bring me to like, I don't know, three books a week or something for the year. But I just then have to say, I, I just have to say, that is amazing. Like, that is an amazing accomplishment, and I think you should feel so good about it. I could never begin to approach where you are. I'm envious, and I'm in great admiration, and I, I really think that deserves massive congratulations. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Are you approaching your 52? Um, I think I'm on track to get there, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, but let's talk about you. Okay. Well, you have to just let me know if you need any shorties. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, right. So, uh, so then in October, I was hit by a car. I broke my leg and fractured my wrist. And so that has that changed my reading. I think I probably maybe read two, maybe three books um, since since the beginning of October is when this all went down. And so it's really affected my reading. It's just like, I just don't have, I just don't have the focus for it. Like there's just so much going on and just everything takes so much longer for me that when I have a minute, it's, it's mindless television mm-hmm. for the win. Um, I will say I saw the dinner which is based on a book by Herman Koch. Um, it's on Netflix. So that was pretty interesting to check out. So I guess I'm getting in my books that way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so if I finish, them. if I finish two more books this year, I would be really excited. You know, is this a, is this a personal record for you? No, I don't think so. One twenty. um, I don't know. I might have reached about this. I feel like 130 might have been the most books I've read a year. Wow. That's, I mean, that's amazing. I was going to break my record this year, but. You broke your leg instead. I broke my leg. (laughs) (laughs) Broken leg jokes. I love it. Right. Okay. Well, that's really impressive. I feel like if I could read that many books in one year, my strategy for my TBR list would be really different It because w- it wouldn't feel so do or die for every book. Like I, so well, here's where I am. So I, my goal was to hit a book a week, which is 52. Um, and I, I was behind the entire year. Like I was good two or three books behind, even worse behind in the spring because I had 
you know, just some stuff going on that definitely lowered my reading. But um, I've managed to catch up and I keep <laughs> keep going back and recounting on my blog. I have this little <laughs> thing that says red in 2017 and then it's got a little a little thumbnail of every book cover. And I keep going back and like double checking and triple counting and making sure that I'm right. But I think that's right. So I think I can do it. I think, I, I think it's it's within reach. So what are you reading right now? I think that you have to, well, you don't want to overload yourself on popcorn, but I think your strategy definitely needs to be those like super engrossing reads. Yes. So unfortunately the audio that I'm doing is pleasant, but not, it's a little, it's a little dull and it's not like, I like it, but I'm not like feeling this intense pull back to it all the time. It's called, um, uh, what is it called? I can't believe it. it's called like say goodbye, I think. Um, or yeah, I would have a hard time remembering that. Yeah. It's, you know, I'm going to look at my blog because I'm blanking on the name of what it's called. So I read this review of a book called, this is how it always is. Um, Catherine at Gilmore, Gilmore books or whatever the name of her blog is Gilmore guide to books, I think. And, yes. um, she said that, this book, This Is How It Always Is, it was like one of her ultimate favorite books of the year. It's by an author named Lori Frankel, and she gave it such high praise. So I put that on hold at the library. Oh, sorry, Goodbye for Now. That's the name of the book I'm reading on audio. Um, I put that book on hold at the library, and then I noticed that the author had another book that looked interesting called Goodbye for Now, and I ended up getting that on both print and audio. So I'm doing Goodbye for Now in in audio, and it's fine. It's it's actually a really interesting premise. It's about this couple who creates this algorithm that if you have a loved one that dies and you turn over to this company that has the algorithm, their social media passwords or like their, the, their email account and their, um, like if they have ever done video chat, the algorithm will create a version of that person online so that you could then go and email them or text with them or video chat with them. It's a completely like far-fetched premise and it's, you have to suspend a lot of reality, but it's an interesting idea about, you know, is that a good thing to sort of have this like digital afterlife for these people that are no longer alive? And what does that do for the, the bereaved and the grieving? Is it actually help? Is it, is it just prolonging the grief or is it some sort of comfort? And I like the story. I like the idea of it, but it's just, there's like not, there's really not much conflict. I think something's going to happen that's going to create conflict, but it's just, uh, it's a pleasant story and it's a little dull. So anyway, that's what I'm doing on audio. And um, I, I think I just got the other book, her other one on audio too. So I may do that one next. That's a book about a family who has a transgender child and same author. Yes. Same author. Cause that's like her, I think that came out this year. Yes, exactly. And that one has gotten a lot of praise. So I want to read that one. So that may be like my next audio. That was going to be my next question to you now that you've read, you know, that you were sort of not lackluster, but you know, a little bit, I don't know, underwhelmed by this book. If you would read the next book, but it seems like you're willing to you're willing to commit. Yeah, I'll give it a try. And this will basically be, you'll never read something by her again or. (laughs) Right, right. So, um, yeah, so that's the audio. And then in print, I'm doing, um, how to party with an infant by cow. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Kaui or, uh, K-A-U-I. 
so I guess it's maybe rhymes with Maui, Cowie Hart Hemmings. Um, mm-hmm. She wrote The Descendants. I think she's actually from Hawaii because that movie, The Descendants, that book was set in Hawaii. Um, although this one that I'm reading is set in San Francisco. And this is a, a quicker and more engrossing read. So, And I'm like halfway done. So um, I think I'll What's it about? It's about a single mother in San Francisco who – it's weird. This is sort of strange plot construct to it. She's entering this cookbook contest She's actually likes to, she's likes to cook. She was a chef at one point, although she's not right now. And she's entering this cookbook contest, and she's creating recipes ostensibly based on stories told to her by her friends at the uh, playground. Like she's in kind of a group of other parents who meet at the playground. Um, the whole cookbook construct I actually find is irrelevant and actually sort of stilted. Like it's awkward, um, it, and the book doesn't need it because I think just the stories of of her friends and what it's like being a single parent and parenting in San Francisco, that alone, that's strong enough. It doesn't need that other construct. So, um, it's a, it's a, it's a good book. I'm enjoying it. Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying not to like look only at short books, but I think I may put the mothers back on that list. Mothers was on my TBR this time last year for that same reason. And I just didn't get to it, but I think I'm going to try to do it this year because that was pretty short. And, um, what else do I have on that list? Uh, I want to read, well, I mentioned this, um, this is how it always is. Um, I want to read the levers. Did you read it yet? By the way, I read it. Oh, I think you told me that you read it. Okay. So you and I've been talking about reading that book together for a while. So that's on the list. What do you recommend that for a book that's going to grab me and that I'm going to get through quickly? I do. I mean, you read the, um, I think that you were looking for more of the story that the Leavers is that you maybe thought the Celeste Ng was going to be. Yeah. So you were saying, so the, the Leavers has more of that adopted immigration storyline than the Celeste Ng did, which had it kind of just tangentially. Yes. I mean, the Leavers I just found, found to be very relevant to our times. It's about, um, it is about um, this Chi- is he Chinese or Vietnamese, and he is adopted by a white family who lives in upstate New York after his mother, after his mother disappears. And it's sort of, you know, just about his experiences with the adoption process and what he thinks of, you know, his mother disappearing and how that all works in together with his identity and having struggles with his identity in terms of having to basically live two different lives. So I thought it was really interesting, especially with so much in the news about deportation and, and immigration. It's just so very timely, and it's, it's really focused on that. So, All right. Well, that may be one of the ones that makes it up my list. Do you have anything you want to get to? If you, you said you maybe will read two or three more books, what are you thinking you might want to do? Okay, so the other day, I guess, the second Mrs. Hockaday was a book that came out um, from Algonquin at the beginning of this year, I believe. And I was really interested in reading it. It's going to be coming out in paperback, I would think, in the next month or two, if they've sent me a copy. So I really wanted to read that book, and it is not very long. You know, it's like 253 pages. And it seems like it's about um, something that's really fascinating. It's about, it's set during the Civil War times, and I guess a major in the army is called away, but he's just married 
um, he's just married a young wife. And by the time he gets back, she is on trial for uh, committing murder, for having for oh, yes. having a child and murdering it. So 250 pages seems, you know, subject matter seems interesting. It, it seems like one of those things that if I have a, just a good focused morning that I could probably get up and read it, you know, mm-hmm. by noon. <laughs> that is something I would never say is I will wake up and finish something by noon. I just, I just don't read that fast. <laughs> That's very impressive. This is a short book, though. It's a short book, and it's not like it has small print. Yeah. So I, I had my eye on that book in the beginning of the year when it came out, so I'd be eager to hear what you think of it. And then I was wondering about, do you think I should read the um, Sarah Pekinen, The Wife Between Us? Will that be a fact? Yes. Okay. Yes. I haven't read it. In fact, I think it's interesting that you said The Wife Between Us because I was thinking – I might, that might be the perfect, I think the popcorn type books are probably my best bet right now. Um, The Wife Between Us was, was on my list because it seems, you know, so interesting. These, you know, old wife, new wife, what's going on, um, what's going on with that? What's going to be the twisty plot of that? And then also I just got this book. um, It's not coming out till January, which actually is not that far away, but it's by Alifair Burke. And it's also called The Wife. Just plain old The Wife? Just plain old The Wife. And um, I don't know. I think that we need to do one show just needs to be about what we could do one about books that have wife in the title. Yes. And then the daughters. Or the girl. Right. Girls, wives. Wife, daughter. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't know. I'm just not sure. I mean, I know on some level that at this point it's, it's a marketing thing because we're so trained to hear those words or, you know, I guess for their blockbuster appeal or popcorn appeal, but I don't know. It just seems so lazy to me. Yeah, I know. As I consider reading (laughs) the wife. I just, I, I can't imagine pitching that title. In like a marketing or a, you know, a, a, some sort of a meeting. Why don't we call it <laughs> the wife? It's just, it's so overdone at this point. I just find it so odd that anyone still agrees to name books that. It's just very odd. So they married and she has a chance to restart her life. She's able to move out of her mother's house and they, you know, they kind of live the high life. They have a house in the Hamptons. I think he writes the best selling book and, you know, he's becoming very celebrated when a college intern steps forward and she makes an accusation against him. And then another woman makes an accusation against him and then disappears. So it's all about her discovering who exactly it is, who, who, who she married, her discovering who she married and um, how she's going to go forward with her life with this man. So it's another book that seems timely, you know, with all of the harassment allegations in the news, you know, definitely don't know if Alifair Burke was thinking about this at the time. I know sexual harassment, assault, is something that women have had to deal with so much. But of course, now there's been a bigger spotlight on it. Here's a question for you. Do you think that 
coming out with a book on that topic right now is good or bad? Like, is everyone just so sick of hearing about it and or it's so real that no one wants to, you know, escape there with fiction? Or do you think it's people are like fascinated and want to understand the, you know, the back pinnings of it? Well, I mean, I think it is a little bit different because a lot of the industries that were, well, this one sort of is touching on media, so I'm not sure. I don't think, I mean, we hear about things, but I don't think we get really the details and the behind the scenes. So I guess it can, I guess it can go either way. I think um, some a woman disappears in this. I mean, even with all the stuff that's going on, I think that those are topics that we turn to in fiction a lot. Mm-hmm. I just and maybe that's where w- women get their, you know, get to have their women and women's, you know, what they call women's fiction, get to explore these kinds of issues that, you know, seemingly men have gotten away for, away with. Right. Um, you know, I just read this book this year, The Best Kind of People by Zoe Whittle, which also had some of the same themes in it, although they were like barely explored. I That book, like... Looking back now at, you know, what's happening with all these allegations, it, that book addressed them so thinly that I feel like it really hurts the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned that it, it didn't. Do you think that that was just a premise that it, what did it seem like that book ended up being about if think, it didn't really go into that? Was yeah, it no, about it was something else? About the family. It was about the family dynamics and, you know, loyalty and mm-hmm. faith and, you know, how do you trust and believe somebody that you've lived with for 30 years or do you believe these allegations? But the problem was the And this one definitely has echoes of that, too. So Interesting. So but the I, problem with the allegations you were saying, sorry. Well, they just, they just were, they were not fleshed out. So it was kind of unclear what the allegations really were. There was very little detail. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess, you know, the theme is sort of universal, though, about how, what are the, the sort of... Um, collateral damage that these uh, scandals cause. So, you know, we hear the stories and we see the, you know, the, the firings and the people resigning from their jobs and we hear about the victims, but we don't, we don't get to hear about what's happening in the bedroom or the living room in the house where that person lives. And, you know, we don't hear about the impact on the marriage and the impact on that person's relationship with their kids and stuff. So, I mean, there's definitely a place, I think, for these books to explore that because that's someplace that the, that we as the public just don't get to go. We hear the allegations or whatever, but we don't get that experience of what was it like to wake up and have to go to work if you dread it going to work or if something like this has happened to you and it's ongoing or. Right, right. Yeah, the view from the accuser. We don't really see that very much. So, so was there anything else? Let's um, let's talk about one more thing. Well, I can talk about the um, book that isn't coming out until April, but that I just read, which was the um, <laughs> Curtis Sittenfeld. Curtis Sittenfeld. Yeah, her short stories. Um, you think it? I'll say it. As in, the name of her book. Um, as I've mentioned before, I'll read anything she writes. So um, it wasn't, you know, much of a stretch for me to pick this one up, but I really liked them. Um, I don't love short stories. We've talked about this before. I feel like, you know, they're like little teasers. They're just little appetizers and like it makes me want the meaty entree. Um, but her, her stories are just perfect. They're just perfect. And they, 
each each of the stories was about some scenario that you could totally picture happening and her dialogue is always perfect and there's always just a little twist in there somewhere you know like a short story needs to have some sort of an unexpected twist otherwise what's the point um and she these just do not disappoint so i you know i can't say i'm head over heels because again i they're just it's the format i don't love the format but i really enjoyed these and I had to read them slowly to savor them. They just, they were that good. Hmm. Okay. I'm looking forward to that then. Yeah. So I'll try to remember to talk about it again when they actually come out. And I shouldn't have even, I shouldn't have even read them. I should have waited. But I once they were in my <laughs> house, I'm like, I can't not no, read them. No, you couldn't. No, I you couldn't. had to. It had to do it. impossible for me not to read them. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Is there anything else that you want to... All right, so the last thing that I – a book came to me this week. It's called Dark Winds Rising by Mark Nose. I'm guessing is his name, N-O-C-E. And I picked it up, and it's set – it's historical fiction. It's about this queen who's trying to keep her kingdom together. It's it's Welsh. It's, like, about the Welsh and the Saxons. And it looked really interesting, but then I realized that it is the second book – in what's probably a trilogy. So it's like, okay, so I want to read the first book first and my library had it. Um, so I downloaded it from my library. And so the first book is called between two fires. So I'm hoping that, you know, it'll be this really engrossing, um, Royal kingdom story that will get me through two books. And the first book got it's like 3.81 to almost four stars on Goodreads. So I'm hoping that'll be some good historical fiction that I can settle down into and learn about a period of time that, um, yeah, I usually do not go to the Saxons. So interesting. Very interesting. So those are my hopes. The, the Saxon books, um, the wife, the wife, between the second, the second Mrs. Hockaday, they're all wife books except for the stories about the queen. The second Mrs. Hockaday wife isn't in a tight, isn't in a title, but they very cleverly implied that she's a wife. So see, that's more creative, even though she's a Mrs. Man. Yeah. I mean, but, I just don't like that. The, the, the character is always referred to through her relationship to some man. Right. She's a wife. She's a daughter. She's. A girl. This is the second Mrs. Yeah, Hockaday. Mrs. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. So, yes. So, the wife, the wife between us, the second Mrs. Hockaday, and then um, the Saxon Queen books, I'll call them, Dark Wind Rising and Between Two Fires. Well, I think you're going to be able to probably read all of those before the end of the year. Yeah, I'm hoping that as, you know, as my routine gets more ingrained, that that things will take up less, I guess, headspace and allow me more time to just read a book. Yeah. Well, but right now it is Netflix for the win. Jewish, <laughs> but at least it's, it's leading to something good at the end. Yeah. Until then, happy recovering and reading. <laughs> happy reading. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Readerly Podcast. You can find issues of Readerly at readerlymag.com. And you can find me, Gail, blogging at Every Day I Write the Book, which is at everydayiwritethebookblog.com, and Nicole at Linus's Blanket, which is linusblanket.com. 
please subscribe to the Readerly Podcast at iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Until next time, keep reading.